Philemon. Man, I'm just telling you, the Lord worked through this book, and I'm not exactly sure what led me there, um, but I read this book this week, and I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. You ever go, you're going through something, and then the Lord takes you uh, to a specific place in Scripture and gives you what you need? Has anybody ever experienced that? That was this week. That was, that was Philemon for me. Um, and, if, and if you're visiting here, I don't want to embarrass you, but thank you for coming. Good to see you. <laughs> my, uh, my wife's cousin and Aaron, they brought friends today. Um, so make sure that you get up here and, and make our visitors feel welcome. Is there anyone else visiting that I missed? Right here. Thank you for coming. Thank you for visiting today. Amen. Make sure you make these visitors feel blessed and uh, make them feel welcome. But yeah, so the Lord definitely used this in my life this week, and it's, it's a lot. I mean, it, it's, it's a lot. That's about the only way to put it. I mean, it has so many different layers to it. Um, and so what, what I'm going to do this morning is just kind of tell you the story, tell you the background. You okay with that story time? And uh, just in case, I, I just feel like wearing this. Are you okay with that? If, no, just kidding. Uh, this uh, Papa Greg sneezed, and so this morning I was able to cover and keep my plant safe from sneezes. So maybe we'll just leave that there, so I, my my snake plant doesn't get uh, get the Rona. But man, I just I want to incorporate this as many places as I can today. Cause it, and then when you when you want to take a drink, you just, it's that easy. Anyway, anyway, I'm just, I'm really obsessed with my new, my new shield. My wife knows me all too well. When she saw that online, she knew she had to order it. But yeah, I've been running around with that. But yeah, so anyway, I, I, I'm just going to tell you the story, give you a little bit of background about what Philemon is all about. And, and we're just going to trust that the Lord will lead this morning and that he'll give you what you need. But let's, let's go there. Philemon chapter 1. Let's read verse number 6. That's what we'll put up on the screen. Uh, but I'm going to be jumping around a little bit. Uh, and, and so if you have your Bibles, open them up to Philemon and we'll just kind of move around there. Look at verse number 6. What I think is really the, the hinge pin here and uh, kind of a launching point. But that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. That's, that's a lot, isn't it? That's loaded. That the communication, look at that word, communication. Uh, know that, that the Bible, what you're reading in English is, is not necessarily the language that it was written in, right? Uh, so it says communication here, but the word is koinonia, all right? So it means partnership or, or fellowship, that the communication or the koinonia of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So Paul is, is talking about a collective partnership here, that the koinonia of thy faith, he's getting it more. He's not just talking about the talk, and, and it's like the fellowship or the partnership. It's like when, when we talk about uh, having a fellowship uh, that, that you would be, I think he says in Acts, uh, faithful in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Anybody know that verse that I'm talking about? He, he says, hey, I want you to be faithful in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. That word fellowship is koinonia. And he's not saying, I want you to be faithful in your getting together with people necessarily. I'm not saying that I want you to be uh, you know, faithful to your potlucks. You know what I mean? We've really struggled as a church since we haven't been able to get together and, and have meals together, right? And we all see how important it is to get together and have meals. And high 
beans and, <laughs> and how challenging it is. Uh, but what he's saying is, I, I want you to be faithful in doctrine and having meals together. That's not really what he's saying. He's saying, I want you to be faithful in doctrine and in this partnership that we're in. I want you to be faithful in this koinonia, please silence your phones, uh, in this koinonia, in this partnership, in this collective thing that we have going on. There was a collective nature. There was a uh, reliance on their part of the partnership for the whole to move forward. And, and I submit to you today that if we don't connect what we're doing together with the global church, with a bigger work, then we're missing the point. If we isolate ourselves here in our little corner of Baltimore County and, and, and what we do is what we do and we're separate from everybody else, uh, trouble will follow. It, it's not about us and it's not this exclusive thing. It's an inclusive thing. And the gospel that Paul is preaching has an inclusive work and a partnership that you're constantly looking to bring others into in order for the big work of the gospel to happen. So uh, that's what he's saying. He's saying, I, I, uh, right here, that the, that the communication, I'm talking about a partnership here, Philemon. So who was Philemon? Who, who was this guy? If you look at verse number one, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto, what's it say? Philemon, right? That's who he's writing to, our dearly beloved and fellow labor, and to our beloved Amphia. So many believe that, uh, that second name, Amphia, they're, they're speaking to his wife. And, and that this was like some kind of like first century power couple here. Uh, that, that him and his wife were serving in the Lord. But we're going to see to what capacity. Keep reading there in verse 2. And Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy what? In thy house. So Paul is writing a letter to this guy Philemon. And the church was meeting what? In his what? in his house. So if you have a house, if you have a place that, that is large enough to accommodate a congregation in this context and historically in this setting, not only did you have a house, you had slaves that worked in that house. So he was a wealthy man. Can we see that? If he's the one whose church is meeting in his house and he has this, this, the means to support this church, we, we see that Paul is riding to Philemon, who is uh, a wealthy man. He was from Colossae. We find that he was uh, from that specific town. And at some point, and some of these things I'm drawing from the text, uh, we learn from Paul's, Paul's letter to him. So at some point, he trusts Christ as Savior, and Paul is the one who led him in his faith walk, in his faith journey. So Philemon was reached by Paul, and he was then using his resources, what God has given him. Um, man down. Uh-oh. <laughs> he was using what God had given him for the sake of the gospel, for this partnership, right? So wealthy man, he was a slave, he was a slave owner, and why that's relevant, we'll get to in, in just a few minutes. Um, and, and then he was from Colossae, so he's leveraging uh, the things that he has for the work of the ministry. Now, Paul is writing from prison. This is a, a prison letter. But there's something unique about this specific prison letter. Most of the time, and a lot of people believe that Paul uh, struggled with his eyesight, maybe arthritis. I mean, think about Paul's testimony, right? Paul had been through a lot. 
We know he had some sort of physical ailment, physical health problem that Paula went through. Writing 13 letters, most of these letters were things that he dictated. Uh, And then we know that he had a traveling companion that was what? A physician, right? Uh, Go figure. Paul needed it. You know, beaten uh, 40 times, save one. So 39 stripes, three times. He was shipwrecked. He was snake bitten. Paul, I mean, the man had gone through some things, hadn't he? If, if he walked in here by many things that I read, it seems like he would be a man that was stooped over, poor eyesight, others that are helping him get around. And so that's the Apostle Paul. That's really the reason why we are sitting here today uh, because of the work that God used Paul to do. But many times during uh, this moment where he was imprisoned, either in like more of like a house prison setting, uh, he had men around him that would write these letters specifically and he would more dictate to them. But this is a situation where Paul wrote this letter specifically. Paul Paul felt like he needed to pen this letter. Let's see if we can find it. I think it's towards the end here. Uh, Look at verse number 19. I, Paul, have written it with mine own, what? Hand. I will repay thee all, and we'll get to that in a few minutes, but this letter, a short letter, one chapter, was something that Paul thought was of extreme importance, this partnership that he's talking about. And Paul said, I wrote it with my own hand. I mean, think about that. It's incredible. Mostly, you know, you're, you got Luke and I don't know, maybe this other guy, Epaphras, and he's surrounded with these fellas and, and he's riding from prison and he's like, give me that parchment, just roll it out. No, no, Paul, Paul, we got this. It's, it's, it's all good, just dictate it. No, 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 you're not dictating this one. I'm all, I, just give me the paper, give me the pen. Paul, you can't even see it. It's all right, just get me started, put my hand there. And, and he starts writing this letter. He's like, no, 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 I need to write this. This needs to come from my hand. This isn't gonna be dictated. You know what I mean? Like there are moments in life, there are things, there are even transitions that happen that come where you know you need to be the one to say it. You know this needs to be a conversation that you say, and that's what this is. This is how they, this is how they did conversation. This is a letter specifically written and addressed to Philemon about a specific issue. How many have conversations that you need to have right now? You know what I mean? You, need, you have somebody, uh, maybe it's a husband and wife, yeah, you, you need to say it. How many husbands, like, we, we should get a poll of, like, other husbands that say things for us. What do you think? It's not a bad idea. Maybe we need uh, ghost riders, you know, I don't know. But uh, th- this was a scenario that he had things to say, and he was going to say it. And so Paul, Paul writes this letter. Are we kind of late? Are you seeing it? Are you seeing the picture? He's in prison. There's ministry work that's happening. It's spreading like wildfire. People are using their resources. And and like the the greater issue here is Paul's missionary journeys were specifically, most of them, to to raise money for the struggling Jews in Jerusalem. Pause. I forgot to shield it. My Britney Spears mic. Yeah. So (laughs) this is new for me anyway, if you're wondering. Still not used to it. Um, so anyway, uh, his missionary journeys, Paul is, is traveling to these other faith communities that are growing in Gentile, uh, in Gentile cities, not Jews, right? And, and think about that. That's a huge transition. 
You have what is largely, you know, people meeting in synagogues and, and this exclusive nation of Israel and what they have, they have the marketing corner edge on their faith and their God. And then all of a sudden, Jesus. And then all of a sudden, the cross. And then all of a sudden, what was specific to a temple, what was specific to a priest, and we've talked about it in the last few weeks with prayer and different things, Jesus makes available what? To everybody. (laughs) What was a a, a strictly Jewish religion is now also a Gentile religion. So is it by happenstance that the Jews that were in Jerusalem were struggling financially and needed help? And God had these other Gentile communities that were thriving financially that Paul could pull monies from and bless these Jews and them see like, wow, these people are transcending culture. They're, they're transcending status and, and their jobs. And there's what used to be exclusively a Jewish religion is now, now it's neither Jew nor Greek, barbarian nor Scythian. This is literally the same Lord is Lord over all to all that call upon him. And this is what happens in the first century church. Paul shows up on the scene, an exclusive Jew. His testimony is, I'm a, a Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law, blameless. I'm a Benjamin. If anybody knows the law, it's me. If anybody's traveled and persecuted according to the law, it's me. And now I'm telling you that it's not exclusive. Now I'm telling you that Jesus was the Messiah and his message is a message of inclusion and it's a message of the gospel that will literally radically change the world. So how did that happen? Well, it it started happening by Paul leveraging Gentile communities to show the Jews what they weren't able to do themselves, that they were all on the same team. It's incredible, an unbelievable story. So here's one of those scenarios where we have a community that no doubt, Philemon, this man is doing incredible things. He's literally opening up his home. He's giving of his resources. And you know we don't know for sure, but we think it's his wife mentioned there. We think his family is a family that fears the Lord by what we're seeing. He's a man of faith, a man of prayer. The first six verses are a prayer from Paul to Philemon that he'll receive this thing well, right? So this is kind of where we are. But there was something that Philemon, and it wasn't even really about Philemon, there was something that he had to do in order for this partnership, this koinonia, to move forward. And that's what I submit to you today, that there's something, and we're gonna do a little bit more digging, but there's something that maybe is in your life that's keeping the partnership moving forward. And and many of you, this isn't a question of what you're doing and what you're not doing right now. Many of you are doing incredible things. Many of you are working for the Lord and serving, and, and you know if you've been here any length of time, we're actually talking about doing more. So. So when God calls us to do more and do greater things, he's also calling us to fix the things that will keep us from doing more. And for me this week, as I looked at, God, where are you taking us? What are you doing? And God starts revealing these things. But before he reveals those things, he speaks to my heart. He speaks to those things that I have to get right in my own life before things can move forward. And so that's a situation that we find here in Philemon. So here's the rest of the story, you ready? 
So Paul is in prison and he meets this guy named Onesimus. And what we know from the story is that Onesimus was a runaway slave from Philemon. Philemon, nice house, probably got a sweet crib. He was probably featured uh, on MTV Cribs back in the day. And come on in, check out my house church. This is a great spot. Anyway, so he had a nice spot, right? Somehow, and we, we get to feel that, that Philemon was a good dude. And not, just because there was like this master-slave relationship doesn't mean that all masters were cruel masters. We know that slavery is horrible and it's, uh, it, it's and, and we're gonna get to a part of where the gospel comes in and salvages that. So it's, it's not that it's good, but it is according to the law, Philemon's right to own this house, own this compound and have people that were, whoo, skeert and have people that were working for him as slaves. So because of the nature of the letter, because Paul was going on Onesimus' behalf to, to Philemon, we know that he did him wrong. We know that there's, there's something here that, that Onesimus did. He bailed on Philemon and it cost Philemon something. Because if it didn't, Paul wouldn't have had to write the letter, right? So. Philemon has the slave, Onesimus. Onesimus bails. Some people think he stole from him, took some things from him. I think that that story could be even more corroborated in the idea that Paul meets Onesimus where? In prison. So maybe this was a run that Onesimus went on. Maybe he stole. This is hypothetical, but I think it makes sense. Maybe he stole, went ripping and running, had his good time, whatever, and he lands in jail. And under Roman law, Roman citizens, Roman uh, provinces that were led by that government, if a slave did that, he could be tried by the, by the government. He could be prosecuted. He could be thrown in jail. Uh, uh, Onesimus could have the book thrown at him, if you will, by Philemon for leaving him in this way, right? But something happens. And Onesimus meets this guy named Paul. <laughs> In that moment, I just get chills. Do you remember when something happened to you? Do, you? do you remember when that moment, that moment where you were in your sin, where you were running, where you were having fun, where you were seeking pleasure, where you had only this life to live for, where you had only the moments that you had, and then you met Jesus, and then what was natural, what was only what you had in a 24-hour day became eternal, became worthy, became valuable on a whole nother level such as us. Where would we be without that meeting, without that divine appointment? Where would we be? Who's your Paul? Who is your person that, that brought you to Jesus, that, that led you to him? And in that moment, you knew you had to change. In that moment, you knew that you would never be the same. Can I get a witness? Is anybody here that was saved? No? Everybody's on eggshells because the sound was poopy earlier. Why? Because I'm in a bad mood. I'm no longer in a bad mood, okay? It's taken me about 15 minutes to get out of it. We're good. It is what it is. Loosen up. Because <laughs> we're just getting started. Onesimus met Paul. And, and let's go to the text. I think it's, I'll, I'll be able to find it here pretty quick. Oh, man, here it is. Watch this. Verse number, go to verse seven. For we have great joy and consolation in love... I love the way Paul phrases this. That's that agape love, that love that was given to you, not love that originated from you. Mm. Because, 
because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee. He's speaking to Philemon, brother. Wherefore though, I love the way he turns. Wherefore though, I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient. Yet for love's sake, that agape love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my what? Son. I beseech thee for my son, Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. For in, in time past was to thee what? Unprofitable. Philemon, I'm not making up a story. Philemon, I'm not diminishing what Onesimus did. I know he was unprofitable for you. I know there was a time in which Onesimus did you wrong, but whom I have begotten in my bonds now is what? Profitable to who? Thee and to me. Sometimes the man of God comes along and has to tell you what will be profitable to you. Sometimes God uses preaching. Sometimes God uses his word to show us that this thing that has always been this certain way has changed. You get the story? Are you starting to, to feel this in your spirit that Paul is writing to a slave owner about a no good slave that stole from him? And he says, I want you to understand one thing. He's no longer a slave. He's a son. I'm about to lose it. Son. Straight up. He's a son. <sighs> now after you realize how much Jesus has done in you, I'm about to ask something crazy of you, is what Paul says. Pa Paul is saying, now, now that you realize that you came to know Jesus and that everything you have is something to be leveraged for the kingdom of God, now God is going to ask something bigger, something that maybe Philemon, he, he constantly giving, here's my house, here's my wealth, here's what I have, continue to use it for the sake of the kingdom. And then the one thing, couldn't Paul just write a letter of thanks? Couldn't Paul just write a letter and say, hey man, bro, thanks so much for opening your house. You're doing such a good job. Here's your giving report, bro. This is a amazing. No. He's like, yeah, everything's great. You're doing such a good job. Do you remember that guy Onesimus? Oh, what a pain in my side. I still remember that no good slave ran off with so much stuff. Hey, guess what? I want you to call him a son. The one thing I'm certain of, by the way he's framing this letter, the one thing that Philemon didn't want to get right the one thing he wanted to ignore, the one thing that he wanted to let go. Why is this? Because of, don't stay with me. Because of the partnership, because of the koinonia. Verse number six, that the communication of thy faith. Some of you need to understand this one thing. There's a bigger partnership at work. It's bigger than your one problem that you can't get over. It's bigger than your Onesimus. And whatever that is, koinonia, you say, that's just the communication of his faith. That's just his talking of his faith. No, it's not. Koinonia, Acts 2.39. I think I have the wrong reference because it was wrong in the 9 a.m. hour. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. That word means koinonia. It means the gathering together of a partnership. Romans 15, 25 through 27. But now I go into Jerusalem to minister unto the saints, for it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a 
certain contribution for the poor saints. That word contribution, guess what word that means? Koinonia. It means there is a partnership, there is a contribution that is being made by other churches for a collective nature of these saints that are suffering. 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful by whom ye are called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Guess what that word fellowship means? Koinonia. It means partnership. It means that what we have in Jesus is a partnership. It is us doing our part in the church, in the collective nature of Christ. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 10, 16 through 17. The cup of blessing that we bless, it is not the communion, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are what? One bread, one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Guess what that word communion means? Koinonia, it means partnership. Whether we are talking about the Lord's table that unifies us, that shows us the part that Jesus did to bring us all together, whether we're talking about your offering that you give to help uh, continue the work of God, whether we're talking about preaching of the doctrine and our fellowship together, everything that we do is a partnership under the umbrella of Christ, the church. It all works what? Together. It's not, yeah, we have communion, and yeah, we have fellowship, and yeah, we give, and yeah, we talk. There's all these different aspects, but guess what Paul did? Paul used one word. Because Paul was conveying the thought, the idea that everything that was done was done for Christ. And that one word, koinonia, is what shapes that idea. Whatever you're doing, Whatever part you have in, in God's church, I hope that you're praying about these papers that we talked about last week, an area that you can get involved in. Why? Because we all what? Koinonia. We all have to partner together. And listen, if you are praying about what God is going to do, let me help you with something. You have to remove the barriers. How many feel in your spirit, just be honest, you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to. <laughs> How many feel barriers sometimes? How many feel like, I, I wanna take that step, I wanna do that thing, whatever that thing is. You know that thing, man? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> debate, Biden, anyway. That thing, that one thing? So I think that's what he said, isn't it? No, but anyway, the point is, is <laughs> there's a barrier, there's something that's in the way. And Paul was very specific in the way that he addressed it. So here's what I wanna do. You ready? I'll give you a few points and then we'll, we'll go eat lunch. Sound good? Unless you're intermittent fasting, don't eat. What can we learn from this story? How many, how many want this letter that God wrote to Philemon to minister to them, to remove barriers in their lives? How many want that? If you want it, here, here we go, you ready? A partnership of participation. A partnership of participation. That's, that's what I'm getting from this word koinonia and these other texts. Here's the first thing I see in this story. Justice and equality are achieved through this partnership. If I ran past this point that's in the text in this book, it would be a huge miss. 
justice and equality are achieved through this partnership. What do I mean? He was a slave owner, and Paul commands him for the sake of the gospel to see a slave as a son. You know, there's a lot of noise about racial tension in our society right now. You didn't think I was going here, did you? That's okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go here. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of people that are in a lot of different places and people that would love to keep us divided, right? But it's important for the church to know where racism is in scripture. It's important for the church to know where reconciliation is in the scripture. And here's where it is. Hey, your slave, he's my son. I think that, yes, it might not be specifically about what we're talking about in this text because I'm gonna share with you something at the end, a little tidbit that I think is amazing that really just brings beauty to this entire story. But the point is, is where else on planet Earth, what else in, in what we know of our existence historically has proven to bring equality and reconciliation more than the gospel? Nothing. Nothing. What we do here, where we meet, this is a miracle. This is a blessing. Anyone can walk through those doors and come in here and be a son and a daughter. Anybody. You can go to work. You can work your way to create separation from certain people, certain things. You can pick and choose your friends. You can create separation in your own life. But Paul said, hey, if there's any question of where I stand with this so-called slave, he's my son. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Hey, so just so you know, if there's any question where I stand, everyone is a son and a daughter. There's no such thing. Slavery is evil. It's horrible. And the gospel is the answer. Wasn't Paul ahead of his time? Everybody's talking about Martin Luther King. Why don't we just talk about Paul? Why don't we just talk about this text right here? The church, we here in this room should have this figured out. Here's what I want you to do. I have a crazy trust exercise. Are you ready? I want you to all turn around, get on the edge of the stage, and then fall and pray the Holy Spirit. No, I'm kidding. That's not what I'm... I have a crazy trust exercise for you. Here it is. I want you to put on the tip of your tongue that the gospel is the answer for every conflict that you run into this week. Crazy trust exercise. When you run into conflict, only, and only by pride cometh contention, right? When we want to answer, when we want to say, oh, you know what the problem is? I'm going to tell you what the problem is. Oh, you know what the answer is? I was watching this thing, this thing, you know the thing. I, I was watching this YouTube video. I, I heard this person say, oh, oh, let me tell you, I got the answer. Listen, I got a crazy trust exercise. Whenever conflict com comes into your life this week, just say, you know what? I think Jesus has the answer for that. And then just wait. You know what they say in sales? The first person who speaks loses, Okay. You leave it there, and then whoever talks first loses. So you let them talk first. You just tell them, say, you know what? I think the problem is not enough people are going to church. And just wait. Well, how do you figure? You know, there's this really cool book called Philemon, and that's where a slave became a son. Isn't that a great story? It's cool. Awesome. Yeah. Good chat at the coffee pot. <laughs> We all, we have like our, easy, we have our little thoughts, we have our little zingers, 
we have our little things that we think it is. Let me help you with something. It's not. It's Jesus. We don't need anything else. We've got it all. Colossians tells us he's the fullness of everything. If you had the answer for your children, if you had the answer for all matters of life and practice, and you withheld it from them, that's really ignorant of you. We have the Bible. We have the answer. His name is what? But do we turn to him first? Mm -mm. I'm going to record all of you watching your favorite news network this week. And we'll see what the answer is. Word. Here's the first thing. I don't want to move past. Stay with me because we're getting to some meat here. But I didn't want to gloss over the fact that this is a process. It has moments of pain and Paul's willing to endure it. Don't despair though. Why? Because justice and equality are achieved through this partnership. Verse number 10 proves it. I beseech thee, my son Onesimus, who I've begotten in my body. Here's the second thing. I love this. Here's the second thing that the Lord revealed to me through this story. People can change for the better through this partnership. Look at verse number 11 if you have it. Which in times past was to thee what? Unprofitable. Man, if I had a dime for every time somebody said, Yep. People don't change. They'll never change. It's always the same. Same story. But now, profitable what? To thee and what? Not only is justice and equality achieved, number two, guess what? People can change for the better through this partnership. Philemon, let me help you with something. Philemon, you're a key part to this partnership. Philemon, I'm talking to you. I'm going to level with you straight. You have an opinion of Onesimus, and it's wrong. That person that you have a problem with can change. Why is it that we think we can change and we can improve, but we don't think our enemies can? We don't give our enemies the same grace that God gave to us. I'm just saying, what are we talking about here? What's the context? The context is the partnership of what we're gonna do together for the gospel. That's, that, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about what are we gonna do as a church for the sake of the gospel? We're gonna do some big things, you know that. But we won't if you don't believe people can't change. I'm just, I'm just leveling with you. Hey, at some point, we gotta tell the truth. He was unprofitable. And if people are unwilling to admit the truth, then they're, they're not ready for change. But it should be on the tip of your tongue this week, like the gospel is the answer, that the gospel will allow people to change. Can you help me? Crazy trust exercise number two is point number two. Yeah, people can change. In all the little gossip lines and channels that we get on and choose to get in that switchboard on, how about everyone that's a part and a member of our church that we say, hey, it's okay, people can change. Let's give to our society the ability to forgive. How about that? Isn't that missing? Watch this, you ready? I'm sorry. Say it with me, I'm sorry. Man, that felt good, didn't it? I mean, we got all kind of good juju flowing through here right now. Just by saying I'm sorry. Watch this, I forgive you. Do it together. Let's do it again, I'm sorry. I forgive you. People can change. Look at your wife and say, I'm sorry. I forgive you. People can change. Wife, look at your husband. Say, I'm sorry. No, wait, it can happen. 
But you know what? We don't possess the ability. I'm gonna go here for just a second. I don't get into politics much, okay? But I'm gonna go here for just two seconds. Everybody knows the president has COVID. I'm blown away. I have a lot of people on my Facebook feed that are on the left. And when I say on the left, I mean like they, they don't agree with his policies. They don't agree with the way he handles things. Some of them were, I'm praying for the president and his wife that they'll learn from this situation. I'm praying that they get well, blah, 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 blah. But I was blown away by the amount of people. I hope he dies. Look, no, just get on your Facebook feed. Maybe you don't have the same friends I don't. I mean, maybe I need to clean out my friend group. It's there. We, it's it's mind-blowing. We've lost our ever-loving minds. It, they're gone. People can change. Lest we forget who we were. Lest we forget where we were when Jesus saved us. I just have a huge amount of gratitude for what the Lord is doing in my heart and in my life. It's not about what he gives me, it's what he's done for me. That, and maybe that's the problem. We got a lot of Christians looking for something when it's already been done. What the Lord has already done for me is enough to keep me rolling till he comes. Well, if the Lord would just give me this, if the Lord would work in that, what he did wasn't enough. If what he did was enough, then you'll believe that people can change when they, when they receive and see what you got in their own hearts. But we're, we're not believing it, church. We're not receiving it. Hey, people can change. Can someone think in their life and in their heart right now of someone that you just don't believe that they can change? Someone, that one person that you know has done you wrong, that one person that, that you just, in your heart, you've got a problem with them. Think of, who, who are they? Right there. You ready? They can change. The Bible says it. Number three, God will use our spiritual leaders to push us to do more in this partnership. No, you're just making that up. This is convenient for you, Pastor Matt. Well, it is convenient, but I, uh, look at verse number 17. Look at it. If thou count me therefore a partner, <laughs> receive him as myself. Oh, snap. Paul said, hey, do you remember I was the one who led you to Jesus? And I'm the one right now that's writing this letter. I'm trying to stay in the lines because I got the arthritis, but I'm letting you know, look at it. If you count me therefore a partner, if Paul would have showed up at Philemon's house, check this, Philemon would have been like, red carpet, baby. Paul's here, he's coming. Man, he's endured so much. Let's at least make his stay like worth it when he comes here. Let, let's care for him. You know, he likes those San Pellegrinos, the orange ones. Go get those for him. Go get him that chocolate that he likes. He, he, would, he would make it nice for him. Paul knew that, right? What does Paul say? Hey, if you count me a partner, receive him as myself. That's tough. How you would treat your most trusted confidant that's what the gospel is calling you to do with your enemy. Look at verse 18. If he hath wronged thee, I, love, I mean, I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you that I'm, I, I like how he handles this. It makes me laugh. It's funny almost. Look at verse number 18. If he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that what? On my account, verse 18. He goes, hey, if he owes you something, what? Send me the bill. Wait for it. This is so good. 
I, Paul, have written this with mine own hand. Guilt. He's like using guilt. You know I can barely write these own letters. You know I got people to write these letters for me. I'm telling you, if he owes you anything, put it on my account. And I'm the one writing this right now. You're causing me grief. What does he say next? He says, he says look, I will repay it. I'll give it. Then he says this, I'll be it. I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me, even thine own self besides. <laughs> he says, but not to mention, even though, hey, look, if he owes you anything, I got it. Put it on my tab. Don't you owe me everything because I led you to the Lord? <laughs> he throws it at him. I mean, throws it at him and then just leaves it right there. All right, God bless. Have a good one. Sometimes the Lord uses the man of God to say things to us that are not easy pills to swallow. But it's needed. It's needed. I love the way Paul handles himself. It's killer. Here's the whole crux of the message here. Obedience is the key if Jesus is the door. Obedience is the key if Jesus is the door. Let me ask you this question. Do you want a partner? Some of y'all are like, uh-uh. No. I know what that means. <laughs> I'm going to sit on my hands real quick. Do I want a partner, Pastor Matt? Let me help you with something. No, I don't want a partner. <laughs> I want nothing to do with this. I'm doing just fine. I opened up my house. You know, I'll take care of you, Paul. Come on. I mean, we'll, I'll make your stay real nice. It's going to be real nice. No, no, no. That's not what I said. I want you to receive him. I want Onesimus to come up in your house the way you would have me to come up in your house. That's what's gonna make this partnership work. Obedience is the key if Jesus is the door. He had six verses in the beginning of this book where he does nothing but pray over Onesimus. And he says, God is doing incredible things in your house, church. I'm so excited. But let me help you with what's gonna take you to the next level in this partnership. You need to receive Onesimus. All, all that was there for him to do was obey. Ignatius, who's an early church father, I read this this week, seems as though 60, 70 years later, Onesimus goes on to pastoring two churches. And over 100 years later, when Ignatius, an early church father, was on his way back to Rome to be martyred, Guess whose church he talks about attending? Onesimus's. Paul knew in that moment in prison what Onesimus had. Paul knew he had the capacity to go on and pastor two churches. That was his purpose. But watch this. Philemon had to obey for that to happen. What you're saying no to is not just your capacity. If you say no, this could jeopardize someone else's capacity. What God has called you to do may be the very thing that frees up the person that will go on to pastor two churches. I have a pretty clear view in my life right now that what I'm doing is not really for me to be doing. I have a fairly clear view in my life that what I'm doing is preparing the way for other people to go on and pastor and do works. That's the feeling in my heart that I have. What I'm doing is an enabling work so that the gospel can reach this city. It's probably not gonna happen in my lifetime, 
but 20 churches after I'm dead and gone? Yeah. It's worth the sacrifice. It's worth, watch this, the obedience now in this partnership. To not partner is to say that you have something that is exclusive and apart from what God has given you. To partner is to see the role that Jesus has played in your life and to submit to bring about that change in lives around you. Have you partnered? What are you, listen, what are you scared to obey God in? That very thing will be the hinge pin for the next thing that God is going to do. Paul could see it. Paul knew, thank the Lord Paul knew, we're sitting here because Paul knew it. This koinonia, this partnership, it's bigger than us. In your heart, you have to forgive that person. Listen, that person that you just absolutely can't bring yourself to forgive, you need to forgive them. Why? Because it's hurting the partnership. Why do you need to get right? Why do you need to serve? Why do you need to accept (laughs) this letter from Paul? Because of the koinonia. How many know that the gospel is bigger than any one of us? But how many know it was for us? Every head bowed, every eye closed.